Welcome to the Project Lighthouse podcast. This podcast contains series of teachings and messages from sessions of our Bible study vigils and word and prayer retreats. We hope you enjoy today's teaching. But sometimes it means to be up for. Let's take, let's take something very interesting now. Let's take something very interesting. Acts 13 9. I don't know why I put it at the, at the end here, but Acts 13 verse 9. It's not an example for finally, but this is just by the way. Are we there? It says, Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Amen. 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 Go on, be. Where the hell do you get that doctrine that Paul or Saul's name was changed to Paul? When you encounter God, He will change your name. See Saul. His name was Saul. But when you met with God, His name that became Paul. Yeah. Because see, notice, notice that it says, "But Saul, or but Paul." Acts thirteen, verse nine. Say then Saul, who is also called Paul. Who is also called Paul? He didn't say who was formerly called Paul. I'm taking note of the word now. He didn't say who was formerly called Paul. He said who is also called Paul. That means he was called Saul and was also called Paul. Saul was his Hebrew name. Paul was his Roman name or his Greek name, but more Roman. The same way some of us have Yoruba name and English name. Now, when we are in Nigeria, we don't mind. We go by Yoruba name. But if I let basically enter Canada, we change. We call it Jackson. Ah, you know Oluwa Tobi. When you talk to Jackson, is Jackson your name? Yes, it is your name. Is Oluwa Tobi your name also? It is your name also. But because of the environment you are in, it has determined the name you are using. Now, because Paul was mostly in in the Gentile nation, he definitely could not be, could be going by Saul. He had to go by his Roman name, or I a mean, Roman citizen now. So he was called Paul. People knew him as Paul in Asia and the rest. We see Peter, we see Cephas. Are they two people? No. Was his name changed? Not really. Cephas is just for the Greek. Peter is his Hebrew name. You understand? So, take note of grammar. Grammar, very important. Very important. Next one is original and. Ah, man, we're moving at a very slow rate. Next one is original and. Original language. Original language. It said the Bible was not written in Hebrew. Or I mean, the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek. No, I said Koine Greek. But not written in English. The Bible was just translated to English. The King James tried, they did a good job. But there are some times where it is very important in your Bible study to go back to the original language to understand the word that was actually used there. And in different variations, it helps you. Because we see forgiveness and we see remission in the New, in the, in the New Testament. 
forgiveness and remission. And the second level is say, ah, there's a forgiveness of sins. That's the first level. Then there's a remission of sins. But when you check the Greek word, it's the same Greek word as first. Same Greek word. So the same Greek word was translated remission, was translated forgiveness. But you will not know unless you go back to the Greek word. So there's a tendency for you to, to misinterpret. I mean, I've done it before. And remember, it was Rema. To misinterpret that, ah, no, enough. Yeah, it's forgiveness. Yeah, as if they are different. No, it's the same word, affects That's what happens when we, go, we are able to see it in the right context. You see renewed. Some of you, when you see renewed, everywhere you see renewed, it's the same concept. Because you saw in Romans 12 that um, we need to renew your mind. When you consider the you see um, the, the, new man is, the new man is renewed in the knowledge of the image. Does that mean renewed me? It mean like, is it the same renewed as renew your mind? No, they're different Greek words. That word renewed here does not mean renewed like the, because I said I said last time. Uh, how can what is new become be made be making be making new? No, because that word there is not renewed like uh, becoming new, but it means to be strengthened. That is the new man is strengthened by knowledge of the image of that is of Christ. So it's renewed has different different words that make it. But you know. Because you also in English, renewed, 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 renewed. That was important to have a Greek Bible. I have my strongs on my phone, my tab. They have Esau on my laptop. It's just fun. I'm reading, and I'm reading each verse, I'm just taking each, each individual word just to see. Just to see. And you're able to cross reference to see where the word was used again in different places, see the context in which the word was used. It helps your Bible study. And even take a website to the next level because there's always a next level. It helps you. You see the different variations of the word. You see where the word is derived from. It helps you. It helps the Bible study. Because the word, it was not written in English, it was written in Greek or written in Hebrew. Very important. Amen. See love. Different word love. There's agape, filio, stogi or something like that. So the question will be, what love? Is agape God's kind of love? No, not really, because it is also in brotherly love. It's very important. Hey, I know something. You see words. Sometimes it's logos. Sometimes it's rema. Different Greek words interpreted as the same word. All meaning different. So you need to be, you need to be careful. Not careful now. You need to be also, or one of the ways you also show diligence by also checking these words in their Greek, checking them in their Hebrew. Just to have a better understanding of what they mean. It helps your, helps your interpretation of the verse. Helps your exegesis. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's just, let's, let's just jump to the, to the main, the main, the main, the main. We are finishing today, whether we like it or not. Amen. Then they, they are, okay, let me say this one. This one, just by the way, just reading in different translations. 
reading different traditions. You all know this one. You check Good News, check Amplified, check Amplified Classic, check TPT. Like TPT is the one I'm reading now. I don't know why I'm reading. Check Message. I don't really like Message. For Bible study. But for reading, you want to read. Do you? You can read Message. But when you want to study, there's a the difference. When you want to study, throw away the message or delete it. I advise you to stick with King James. Old. Not new. Old. It's more, ac- it's more accurate. To, 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 to a certain degree, sure. Because they interpreted word for word. Some, some translations interpreted, NIV interpreted thought for thought. The message just summarized. <laughs> I've got the, 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 the way you put it. The message interpreted, no, they, didn't, they didn't interpret. Just, hey, I've got how they put it. So, so some translations don't interpret. They, hey, the interpretation and the, uh, I'm trying to remember the word. Interpretation and. What's it? just hanging the air like Okay, interpretation is different from like that's the explanation now. Some 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 translations. They didn't interpret the interpret that give me that give me okay huh, the interpretation is translation. Interpretation is word for word. Translation is you take the word, you're not trying to give it what does it what is he trying to say? So you're not you're not giving his own you're trying to flesh it out. And most times in the process of fleshing it out, they now lose the 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 subject matter of what the person is trying to say. They just, just lost in the source. Interpretation and translation. Amen. Oh, no, no, no. Interpretation. Sorry. Sorry. I switched it. I switched it. Translation is word for word. Interpretation is after translation. You now interpret what this person trying to say. So, King James translated. So, a message interpreted. That's why you see King James doesn't have two lines. Message will have like eight. Ah, what was happening? That's the person's story. Because they're interpreting. TPT too. I think TPT is also interpreted. So when you want to read, like, just casual, you know, with your Bible in the morning, and not studying, just to read, just to feed yourself. You can also read your NIV. I like NIV. You can read your good news. When you want to study, like, okay, I want to, let's, let, me, let me understand this scripture better. King James is better. It's the best, really. Amen. Amen. So next one is cultural time and audience relevance. Cultural time and audience relevance. I said uh, it is important to note that the Bible was written by people who lived and practiced a unique culture. They also wrote to people who had the same way of life. And a major characteristic of culture is that it differs from place to place. Amen. So it is wise or it is expedient for you to discern when the Bible is talking culturally or to record, talking about a cultural custom. So that you don't, you don't 
appropriate what is, or you don't, or you don't generalize what was cultural. E.g., holy kiss. Holy kiss. That was their culture. They gave themselves a kiss as a form of greeting. I think some others, like is it French or the Italians, the Europeans, I think they still do it. Just type peke, peke. Yeah. They do it. It's holy kiss. If you come and do it in Nigeria, I might slap you. Because it's not my culture. You understand? So, it was a cultural stuff. So, it will be, it will be ignorant of you to not come to the church and say, go and give your brother and sister holy kiss. Amen. Another one is First Corinthians eleven. Covering of head. Covering of head. First Corinthians eleven from verse one. First Corinthians eleven verse one. Now before we start, there's something we need to understand. And this will help your Bible study. To help your Bible study. So let's keep your hand in First Corinthians eleven. Now, the word translated for woman in the Bible was the Greek word gune, G-U-N-E, gune. Now, this word woman was also the same word translated for wife. So. The usage of this word is dependent on the context. And King James, sometimes they got it wrong, sometimes they got it right. Most times, how do you know it's talking about wife? Because it's always used in the context of a man. You see a man around, like, in his, like maybe the best before, the best after. So you know, okay, this is talking about wife, not woman. Let's do some examples. Let's do some examples. Romans 7. Let's do some examples. Romans 7. Start from verse 1. Knowing not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over, over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth. Is this woman or wife? Huh? Wife, I mean. You can see husband. In next verse. So it's not woman like talking about a lady or something. Talking about a wife. Amen? Amen? Let's see 1 Corinthians 7 1. 1 Corinthians 7 1. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. It is a wife for a woman. A woman. Are you with me, guys? Yeah. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Yeah, that was what he means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that. That, that was. That was, that was <laughs> it really, it really it's talking about marriage. 
Yeah, you see it. You see, 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 Let's check, let's check verse 13. First Corinthians 7, verse 13. It says, And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, is it woman or wife? Wife. Amen. First Corinthians 11. No, let's go to second Timothy, first Timothy 2. First Timothy 2. Oh no, let's, let's, let's hold this one first. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14, 34 to 35. Says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also said the Lord. For if they, will not, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands. So the woman in context, is it women or wives? Huh? Wives. But it's the same word, gune. So it is the context that interprets our translation of the word. Very important. No word means the same. The same... The same word can mean different in, in, in different scriptures. So you cannot say, there cannot be a, 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 universal, a universal meaning for a word. You have to calm down and interpret it in the context of the surrounding verses. Amen? Sometimes the same word is for healing. The same word is for salvation. Yeah, so the same word is for deliverance. That same sozo. So you have to be very careful to say, okay, okay, what is, what, is, what is the context? Is it healing? Okay, it's healing. So you interpret it accordingly. Amen. So let's go to First Corinthians 11 now. Let's, let's, let's see this covering of health matter. Says, so be followers of me, even as I am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the other things as I divide them unto you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. This woman, is he woman or wife? I'm in verse 3 now. 1 Corinthians 11. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Is this woman or wife? Or is it lady or wife? Simple like that. Wife. So that's that the context of First Corinthians 11 is marital. You're not talking about single lady, so marital, married women and men. Amen. Don't miss that. You see, once you miss that, you have missed the person. You have, you have, you have gone into error. Amen. Let's continue reading. Every man praying or prophesying, have, having his head covered 
Zealot his head. Don't, don't get lost in the sauce. But every woman that prayed or prophesied with her head uncovered, dishonored her head, for that is even all worn as if she were shaven. He says, he dishonored her head. The question I'm asked is, who is her head? The husband. The head of the woman is the man. Every woman. The, the, con- the context. Remember the context. I said, stay in the context. Stay in the context. It started by saying the man and the woman. I was talking about in a family or in the marital sense. So whatever it says there is not general again. It should be in the context. So let me look at this. Chapter three is the foundation. Whatever he's saying is built on that foundation that he has laid in chapter 3. The husband and the wife. So, it says that the woman prayed to prophesy her head and cover her head. This one also her head, which is her husband. Interesting. Take note of that, very important. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the man, woman, for the woman, for the man. For this caused all the woman to have power on her head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge yourself. Is it coming that the woman prays to God uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have longer, it is a shame unto him, but if a man have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given for a covering. But if any man be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the church of God. Now, very important. It's important to note that Paul was teaching a literal covering of the head. It's important to note that. Don't, don't, he was teaching about covering hair. He was teaching that. Now, but there was something at the back of that. Why did you go through all this plenty talk? Because the foundation is in First Corinthians two. It says, "But I could not talk unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, but as unto based in Christ." So I, I gave you strong me, but you cannot, you cannot receive it, something like that. So, the state of the church determines this communication. So, why is it all that long process? What are you trying to teach? Submission. Now, let's take Ephesians 4. Let's see how he, how he puts it to a spiritual church. Ephesians 5, sorry. The spiritual church, so it says, it says, twenty-one, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands and unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be, be, be their own husbands in everything. Full stop. No long talk. In next, it says, 
husband love your wife, you don't to love your children and give yourself away. Very simple, straight to the point. No plenty call it as the angels and something, something, something. Very straight to the point. Why? Because the Ephesian church was spiritual, in quote now. And the, the Corinthian church were being carnal, even though they were spiritual. So, even in spiritual men, there are classifications of spiritual men. There is a spiritual man that is spiritual, and there is a spiritual man that is acting that is carnal, but they are all spiritual. So, what Paul was trying to teach in 1 Corinthians 11 was honor, was, was submission to demand. Somebody said, Everyone that prayed and prophesied without our head covered, dishonorates the head. Who is the head? The man, the husband. When you dishonor, what do I mean? You're not being submissive. Why is that? Because the Corinthian church, according to history now, or the, Cor- the Corinthian as a place, the Corinth as a place, had a practice for the married women. Now the married women covered their head as a sign of submission and honor to their husbands. Yeah, they're saying I'm not married. Now, even some, even some, some the Arabic, the, uh, the Arabs also have that kind of culture. That the women cover their hair, sometimes they don't cover their face. They cover, okay. Okay. They cover everything. But I'm not, I'm not saying that as an example. So the Corinthians have that kind of, they have that kind of uh, culture. Now, the woman who was married and really cried like, ah, we are now two. They removed the covering. And after they removed the covering, there was not friction in the church. They were not having clashes. The women are having clashes, the women are having clashes, the men. And it's very obvious that some people are dishonoring people, causing strife and stuff like that. So Paul has to come at a, 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 before this because issue. That's not the long talk. The head of the man is guys. The head of the woman is the man. The woman prayed and prophesied without covering her head. It's not the head, being the man. So, was this in a little, aka, cover your head though, as a sign of submission to your husband. Now, he didn't foresee that different cultures have different ways in which they showcase submission to their spouses. This was, this was a an instruction that was unique to the Corinthian church. That's why in verse 15, that says that if anyone has any something, something to eat, says we have no such custom. Now the word custom is not a binding law. It's something that's not binding. Like I have a custom of fasting every Thursday, so to say. It's not a law. It's not written somewhere. I'm not forced. It's just because of a habit. Or happenstance, or something I've been doing over a while, it has become a custom. So it says that the church of God, everywhere, did not have that kind of custom. I mean, coming of hair was not something that was, was, that was popular to the whole church. It was just unique to the Corinthian church. So there will be an error if you now begin to doctrinalize covering of hair. Because it was a cultural. It's culturally relevant to just the Corinthian church. Are you from Corinth? No. 
You want to cover your hair? By all means, do. But between you and your husband. <laughs> yeah. It's not the church business. But now the church say, I need to. As if, that if you don't cover your hair, the Holy Spirit cannot move. Then some people now with the very ridiculous. Now put hanky. Now put hanky like this. Now I ask sister, what about this part? It's not hair too. I mean, I don't cover the head, cover the head. So who, who are you trying to deceive? That's more hanky. You say, let us pray. As though, uh, if you have your head, you'll be like, ah, no, no, cover it, cover it. I cannot move, oh, cannot move. I need to move, Holy Spirit. Ah, sister, cover not cover your head today. Did you cover your head? We let us repent. As long as I'm not covering your head, those people cannot move. That, is, that, 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 not, that not sounds silly. I mean, that same power that raised Christ from the dead is afraid of hair. <laughs> you know how silly it sounds? Those are the gods. Omniscient. Powerful. But when it comes to the covenant's hair, I don't like it. It's kryptonite. Ah, it becomes weak. So the covenant has to bring us white hanky. Some people even ridiculous. Some people just type and down like this. Round. The, the top is not covered. Nothing. They've covered, they've covered their heads. You see how it's ridiculous. You see how we survive with ourselves. Just tight scarf. Round like this. They've covered their hair. To them. This is not covered. Length not covered. So, so you, see, you see how when, when we appropriate something that is cultural, so you save ourselves. Now, if you want to cover your hair, as I said before, I have no qualms with it. Do you? Some people also, they're not becoming their hair. Not because they understood what Paul was saying. Not because they're not being rebellious. <laughs> I beg you, Jared. Come on, come on. They didn't have the understanding of why they are, they should not, or why it's not necessary. I beg you, Jared. So cap or no cap, scarf or no scarf does not hinder God. I mean, when you're speaking in tongues as a guy, I wear your cap. This tongue will not seize. <laughs> it will not seize until you move it. Same place. I mean, me personally, I like my cap. Is it for me? Is it for Scotland's level? Is there? Yeah. Cultural. I mean, the Jews. Yes, sure. I had to pray for someone. And then I think I was too so I don't know what they were. I was exercising my healing gift. So, it was under the hot, hot sun, and there was no way I was thinking of my cup. I was like, come, oh, let me see this work. Let me pray for this. If you get sick, I pray. I just said, nah, this is it. And then I said, I didn't really understand. I mean, nah, this is that. I mean, not so, so, so. 
You know, you know, sometimes also, just to help our brethren who are making the feet. That's why I'm not, I'm not coming body my my cap, and I get here I move my cap. Just as I say, respect and not to cause issue. Paul says that if it's meat, I mean, if it's cap, I'll make my brother to sin. I rather not wear the cap. Even in my house, I work it, and when I'm out, I work it. I mean, you're in a party, I'll dress, I buy that cap. So let us pray. Everybody, everybody, wow, amen, amen. It's the same way washing of feet. Washing of feet also is cultural, it's not doctrinal. Why did they wash feet? Because they trekked a lot. Very, not, not a very, they trekked a lot. There was no Bugatti or Keke or bicycle. They trekked majorly and then they used the boats or ship. Then if you are very rich enough, you have a horse or donkey. Oton or camel. So there were a lot of trekking. And because there were a lot of trekking, I mean, if you trek normally here, after a while, there will be dust on your feet. So it's expected that when you go into a house, you need to wash your feet. It's just table manners. I'll be what they call it now. <laughs> it's just manners. Yeah, they just supposed to give you water and stuff like that. To wash your feet. That was just kind of complaining that, ah, I came here. You don't give me water to wash my feet. But this girl, this man has used her hair. You understand? So, so what, you know, the, I know some doctors do do washing of feet and uh, what do you call it now? Meeting. Uh uh. I'll stop so. Washing of feet, meetings. I'm sure. <laughs> like how communion, how they do communion in your stand? Washing of feet, just wash your feet. Everybody washing their everybody's feet. Yeah, Amen. So I will learn that. The next one is time relevance. Cultural time and relevance. Time relevance. When talk about time relevance, this especially applies to Jesus Christ. Is it past? Is it present? Is it future? When he says, I go to prepare a place for you, were you talking about a future, future event or an event that was, made, that was going to happen soon? So, when about time relevance, we are, we are taking into consideration when this statement was made, when was it fulfilled? Now, we are talking about time relevance. When was it fulfilled? When is it going to be fulfilled? Is it talking about a future, future event? Or is it talking about an event that is going to happen like in the next year or in the next couple of days? Is it a past event? Is it a present event? So that you don't, you don't take something that has happened as a future event. Amen? Are there examples for that? There's no need. 
and also audience relevance. Was it the general audience or was it specific? When Jesus Christ says, Tarry in Jerusalem. Tarrying is not a, is not a generous instruction. It was just for the disciples to tarry. But now, people now did the doctrine that once they are saved, you need to tarry to receive the baptism in quote of the Holy Spirit. Like you are waiting, you are preparing yourself, you are sanctifying yourself. Huh? You can call it whatever you want to call it. Fasting, praying. It meant people had been pumped up. Mr. Aftari, too. I tarried until I read, I read Kenny Hagen. Uh, the, the tongues beyond Pentecost. I was in my tarrying state. I think I was just, God help me, it was one week I was tarrying. Some people have tarried for months or years, I'm tarrying, waiting for that moment. So I was already tarrying beyond Pentecost. I was not talking about how he got filled with the Holy Ghost and started speaking in tongues. I, I was waiting for the pastor to, to, to get him filled. The pastor was not around. So he just knelt down in the room. I said, Ah, that's, Father, now I, I must receive this gift. That I will shout hallelujahs and I expect to speak in tongues. So he said, Shout hallelujahs, book in tongues. So I was reading the book, I, I, just, I just read that part. I, I don't jump in my bed. Ah, because it was PDF. I don't drop the phone. I say, ah, come on. My time has ended. Tonight is the night. Say, ah, nobody goes to lay hands on me again. I'm not waiting for anybody. I'm waiting for elders. So, so they say, ah, when they call Holy Ghost baptism like this now. So I was waiting. I'm like, nah, nobody goes to lay hands on me at all. This night, the same way. I'm going to shout, hallelujah. And I start to speak in tongues. So I'm like, hallelujah. Nothing. Hallelujah, nothing. Hallelujah, nothing. But the first one I is, I don't start speaking in tongues. But I said, ah, okay, confirmed. Even though after I spoke in tongues again, it took me another one week to start speaking. What happened? I was speaking like, ah, this thing, this thing, this is the tongues. <laughs> this is not making sense. <laughs> so, it's not making sense, it's not making sense. I stopped speaking. See, it took me another one week again. Like, ah, this is, this is the whole, does not see the same Kennedy's book. Because I stopped it, I stopped it. I didn't read it again. No way I'm speaking that time. I was just there was no there was no there was nobody like that. Be firing or so like. And I was speaking as I was speaking. Your mind is just decoding everything that you're saying. I'm not ready for Corinthians for that time. So, so I was like, ah, what is happening? My mind was like, yeah, you're saying nonsense. I was like, yes, you should. I'm saying nonsense. It doesn't make sense. So I stopped. I just stopped like that. Nah, nah, nah. So my mom was like, I just finished. I said, I'm not feeling though. I'm not feeling at all. It was a mistake. It was, it was really bad. It took me another one week. So it took me like two weeks. Before I start speaking like fluently, Amen. Amen. So the next is extrapolation in a guided manner. Extrapolation in a guided manner. We're talking about extrapolation, we're talking about using the Old Testament stories to explain New Testament spiritual concepts. Using Old Testament stories to explain New Testament spiritual concepts. It's that it can also extrapolate in a, in a wrong manner, in a well-guided manner. Like in the retreat, to use Saul, Jonathan, and um, David to show the importance of supernatural relationships, and the importance of supernatural associations. 
You can use the story of Samson to show the importance of consecration. That's you are you are explaining a spiritual concept in the epistles. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But you are using Samson's story to explain it. That's extrapolation. You understand? You are explaining uh, uh, honor. You are using David and Saul. How David did not go against Saul, you understand? That is extrapolation. In a well guided manner. You have to be very careful. Don't make, don't, use, don't allow the story to detect the spiritual concept. Rather, allow the spiritual concept or what you want to explain to detect how you are going to interpret the story. Don't forget that these guys were not living their lives on their own. But the Bible tells us that everything was written as examples for us. The same way how Paul, Paul used extrapolation when it was like the heavenly Jerusalem, there's, um, there's Mount Sinai, there's Sarah, there's Haggai. Using it to explain the law and grace. It says Haggai represents the law, Sarah represents grace, the bond woman and the free woman. That, is all about, that was extrapolation. When you use Mount Sinai and the other one, I forgot it, heavenly Jerusalem. Was, Huh? Galatians. Galatians, yeah, Galatians. I think Galatians is Ephesians. Yeah, that is extrapolation. So it, it also it also helps you in your teaching. You want to teach now. Makes makes people understand better. Then last but not the least, oh, we made it in time. Is spirit impressions. Spirit impressions. Second Corinthians, Second Timothy three. Let's go there quickly. Timothy chapter 3. We are at the end of this eternal teaching. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, no, 2 Timothy. 2 <laughs> Timothy chapter 3. Uh, It is, and that from a child, verse 15, thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus, and that from a child. Now, see, now let, 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 let's use a concept here. Now, the Greek word here is brephos, means infant, newborn baby. So, what was for Paul was to say that. Since when Timothy was a newborn baby, a new, a new world. No. Because this word, Brephos, was a figure of speech. Not a figure of speech. But was in relation to Timothy's new birth as a believer. You know how Paul Peter says, desire the, the sincere milk was able to make it grow. As newborn babes, the same word. So, 
Timothy now as a newborn believer how he grew since you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus now verse 16 says all scripture I think this is grammar all scripture no graphe is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness so Paul gives us the uses of scripture he says is it for doctrine for teaching for reproof that's for evidence to give evidence for correction and for instruction in righteousness that is spiritual growth notice it didn't say the scriptures are for leading or the scriptures, the scriptures are for God to lead you so by spirit impressions now people we don't we don't we don't disagree with the fact that sometimes the Holy Spirit uses scriptures to, to lead people or to guide people guide brethren, guide saints is, is a fact but before we go deeper, we should know that that is not the use of the scripture the scripture is not for guidance in quote now for situations I, I want God to, I'm waiting for God to speak to me about this matter. And I'm really waiting for the scriptures to jump out at you. That is not the, that's not the primary aim of the scripture. The scripture is for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. Yeah? Yeah? In righteousness. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, that's a guidance in situations like. In, say guidance, like wait, guidance is for me. Well, the scriptures to guide our conduct, our action. It's like um, we're waiting for a job. I'm looking for a job. I'm waiting for looking for scriptures. I'm waiting for God's scriptures. Scripture, like and David went to so so and so so so. Say ah, I mean God is trying to say that I should go to so so and so so so. Now we don't we don't negate the fact that sometimes God uses scriptures, but why why put in question mark? Is that I put three impressions in question mark? That is the first of all. That's not the primary aim of the scripture. Secondly, when it happens like that, you should never, ever, ever use it as doctrine. Like come to the church and say, "Brethren, this is what God is saying now," and teach it. That is wrong. It's personal for you. Alone. In fact, it's, it's a one-time use. Use and discard. One-time use. What 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 are, what are stuff that have uh, that has one-time one-time use? One-time like like um recharge cards. Once use once you throw it away. It can never apply again. So once it, once it happens, but eventually it happens, and you use it. Okay, this is not talking. Next time we have in that scripture, when the error, when the error now comes from me, when you have in that scripture, you now start interpreting it as what happened that time. No. It's not that. 
Enough for that. The scripture has what it's trying to do. The scripture is about Christ. It's about Christ. So, when that happens, you when you use it, you discard it. You don't teach it. In fact, I'm not supposed to tell anybody. It's just for you. It's between you and God. You and the Spirit alone. Why put it in question mark? Spirit impressions? Because we don't, we don't negate the fact that sometimes some of us have grown to the, grown. How we grew was that the Holy Spirit speaks to the world to you. Like me now. It can never happen to me. It can never happen. Because when I hold the Bible to read, I'm not expecting Holy Spirit to come and talk to me. I mean, what was I doing all those times that He didn't talk? Until I opened the Bible, I began to talk. I mean, you prayed. He didn't talk when you were praying. You listened to music. He didn't talk when you listened to music. Nothing. So, until you open the Bible, that means you need to, you need to, you need to sharpen yourself. You need to sharpen yourself. But we don't get that. Some people have gotten used to it. And that's how you always it's not, Okay, since. I mean, Holy is God is good. Is merciful. He won't say because this person is not. Also, I'm not going to talk to him. Okay, he says, okay, I will do it. But we should always have at the back of our minds that it's not for doctrine. Don't come and teach it. And we find out that people are fond of doing that stuff. You come on Sunday, like brethren, I was reading the scripture, and the Holy Spirit began to speak. Ah, that, that's a little scary. Everybody say, I'll read the Bible and the Holy began to speak. Or the Spirit began to speak. Ah. I always decided to start to beat. Because you know, most, most times it's followed by error. Most times. You know that the Spirit that spoke. A false spirit. Most times. Remember, scriptures to read that you understand. Would the Holy Spirit speak? Yes. But the Holy Spirit cannot speak. The Holy Spirit speaking cannot contradict the written words. Or it cannot say what I have not said. And what's better if I what you have said in the written word? Amen. 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 So we have come to the end of Bible Hermeneutics. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Project Lighthouse podcast. We hope you've been thoroughly blessed by it and your faith has been stirred up. We encourage you to go over this teaching repeatedly for clarity and better understanding. However, if there are still areas of uncertainty, kindly send your questions to the contact link in the show notes. This podcast was recorded at our local church in Keitu, Lagos, Nigeria. If you'd like to join us at these meetings, kindly check the show notes for more information. Finally, please subscribe to this podcast to receive notifications of new episodes so that we may grow this community of believers. See you next time.